You are listening to the Fantasy Alarm Fantasy Football Podcast with John Pemba and Andrew Cooper. What's going on, FA Nation? John Pemba here with Andrew Cooper. Welcome back into the Quick Out Fantasy Football Podcast here recording for Week 7 of the NFL season. Coop, we got a, a lot of big teams on bye weeks this week, right? We got no no Bills, we have no Rams, no Eagles, and was it no Vikings as well, right? It's it's the who's who of who's awesome at wide receiver, right? We got, and not just one for each team, because even Adam Thielen and Gabriel Davis are good, but we're talking Stephon Diggs, Cooper Cup, Justin Jefferson, taking them all away from us, my man. Yeah, it's a pretty rough going there for your uh, uh, fantasy football teams, hopefully, you plan for this though, right? This is what happens when you draft, what your bye weeks are, and you hopefully have a contingency plan for you. You drafted the depth to, to withstand these weeks where you're without these top tier players because now everybody is getting hit with them. So hopefully you didn't get caught flat-footed with it. Yeah, hopefully. And if not, we'll help you out. I know I've been getting some tough tight end questions because, you know, what happens is TJ Hawkinson, Darren Waller go on by. People go and scoop up players for those bye weeks. They don't want to give them up. And now if you're sitting there with Dallas Goddard, you didn't plan, you could be in trouble. But we got some sneaky options for you. Let's get into these games and we'll get to those guys as we get to them. Yep. And first game on the slate, Thursday Night Football, New Orleans Saints versus the Arizona Cardinals. A lot of news going around this this game right here. For the Saints, there's no Michael Thomas again, no Jarvis Landry again. They will have Chris Olave back. We don't really know the status of the quarterback yet, whether it's going to be Dalton or Jameis Winston. Flip side of this, Hollywood Browns in a extended time. The Cardinals went and traded for Robbie Anderson. DeAndre Hopkins is expected back. I've seen some reports, and I don't really know if I trust these reports or not, given the sources. They've been, they feel like more speculation than anything else that DeAndre Hopkins may not play this week because it is a Thursday game, and he hasn't had a lot of time to practice with the team and all that, but he's not coming back from an injury. He wasn't signed off the street. Like, to me... Hopkins feels like he should be ready to go and suit up for this one. So I'm going to I'm gonna trust that he's going to play until I hear otherwise. Good luck telling DeAndre Hopkins he's not playing. This guy is a gamer. He got yelled at by the team for playing when he was in. They told him not to play because he was hurt and he was playing anyway. This guy is going to be absolutely fine. He's going to play. And I'm putting him in my lineups. I really don't care. He's just too good of a player. The upside's too great for this guy. He's a contested catch, body control player anyway. So it's not like he needs special routes or separation plays drawn up for him this is a go up and get it player i'll put him in yep i agree with you 100 there what are your thoughts on the running game for arizona last week you know benjamin got a ton of ton of work and then he didn't really do much with it right and now you have we're still waiting on the status of james connor to be updated here is there any interest still in eno benjamin a tough matchup against the saints for you anytime it's a guy is a game time call on wednesday they're still saying even an hour ago a report came out saying game time call I'm leading. I think I like using them where I have them, especially if James Conner's out. If James Conner plays, you got to play that game. Then to me, falls into the like Kareem Hunt group where you kind of look at your roster and you know whether you need Kareem Hunt or not. If you don't know, ask us in the Discord. Ask us on Twitter, and we'll see. We'll tell you what we would do compared to your other guys. But you kind of know in those situations whether you need to start that guy or not. So for me, I'm interested in Hopkins. I'm interested in Eno. James Conner is kind of a tough guy to start. What are you doing with Rondell Moore, John? He's been playing a big snap share, but we're, I'm not sure what his role is going to be. I imagine he still keeps those snaps with Marquise Brown out, right? So are you in on the Rondell Yeah, game? I like Rondell getting high snap. Robbie Anderson would be seem more likely not to play this week right. than DeAndre Hopkins would. So you got to think Rondell Moore finds his way into this lineup. Not into this lineup, but into a larger role than he's had. And listen, last week he was targeted. He's actually really involved in this offense. Or So I think that there's some good fantasy value for him going forward with 
Brown out, even when DeAndre Hopkins comes back. So there's no, there's no yeah. fear for me there. And just to wrap the other side of the ball, Chris Olave, you play him. He's a star. I'm not going to mess around with Marquez Callaway or Traquan Smith or Keith Kirkwood or any of those guys. But this game does present one of the the sneaky tight end plays. If you just if you were talking to the Dallas Goddard folks out there who just need maybe a one week sneaky play, Adam Trotman already ruled out for this game he's not going to play juan johnson played he ran 31 of 34 routes last week with trotman getting hurt early in the game he's a guy who got six targets and four catches he was playing well with james winston so i think it's a boost for him if winston plays but even if he doesn't he's in line for a good amount of work because the other guys on that depth chart like jp holtz these dudes are clunkers. They're not going to be catching anything. So he's going to be the primary pass catcher. Yeah, I agree with you there 100% on that one. Next matchup, Detroit off their bye against Dallas in Dallas. Cowboys given a seven-point home favorite, a 48-and-a-half game total. Dak Prescott expected to play, or we think he's expected to play. I'm supposed to practice. Obviously, we'll continue to monitor the situation. The reports have been there now for a little bit that he's going to be likely suiting up for week seven. So a big boost to this Dallas offense, obviously going up against the putrid Detroit Lions defense here, but if you got Tony Pollard, you play him. Zeke, you're playing him. C.D. Lamb, you're playing him. What's your thoughts on Jake Ferguson, though? He had a touchdown catch last week. Dalton Schultz, we don't know what his status is going to be like. Is there any appeal to you? This is a kid they took in, like, the fourth round this year. Yeah, so I liked him coming out, but then Peyton Hendershot was the guy they kind of tapped to to play a bunch. And this past week, Hendershot ran 23 routes. Ferguson ran 17 it, to me, it's too dicey when there's a split. If this was a situation where Ferguson got the full workload and he was, take Tampa Bay, when Cameron Brait was out and Cameron Brait will be out again, Kate Otten played like 50, he ran like 50 routes and he played like 74 or 79 snaps. That's where I can trust these like guys that just score a touchdown or whatever. But when he's not even running the most routes and tight ends, I can't trust it. So unfortunately, I can't go there. If you want to do it at DFS, be my guest, but don't. There's too many good, better options if you're your real leagues, in my opinion. Yep. On the other side of this matchup, again, they're coming out of the bye. We're, we're waiting to see what DeAndre Swift's status will look like here. He's had the bye week to rest and be ready to go or not. Amon Ross St. Brown played the game before the bye, so we got to figure he's all set. DJ Chark is someone that we're kind of monitoring to see how healthy he'll be going into this spot here. But thoughts or love on the Detroit side of this matchup? Yeah. The thing with Amon Ra, he's good. We have to admit that we weren't big on him and... He only played 21 snaps of 66 against the Pats, but after the bye week, he should be fully ramped up. So if you got him, you got to get him in there. TJ Hawkinson is another guy that I'm starting wherever I, I have him. This should be a, an okay matchup for him. Probably not going there with, with Josh Reynolds or Khalif Raymond or anybody unless I have to. Do we have any reports on DeAndre Swift or is it going to be the... I'm just seeing like the same old reports yeah. with him. So yeah, nothing definite yet on that front. Yeah, so then rest of this game, do it. Whatever you've been doing with Zeke and Pollard, just keep doing it. You know what I mean? It's if you had to use them, then keep using them. If you have better options, you have better options. We know what that situation is now. It's a split during the, down the middle to a certain degree with Zeke being the better option just usage wise. But who knows what things are going to look like. I'm interested to see Dak. And uh, we should honestly, with these thumb injuries, you find out pretty quick if it's going to be a problem or not. Because usually you can tell when the quarterback can hold the football if he's having right. a hard time. And that's what it boils down to with the thumb. So will be interesting this week for sure. Yeah, 100% there as well. So next matchup that we got on our plate here, Green Bay Packers going into Washington to face the Commanders. Taylor Heineke, now the quarterback in Washington after the Carson Wentz injury. We saw Brian Robinson last week. He didn't really look great for a while. He was averaging like 2.9 yards per carry. Then he broke off that 17-yard run, helped his numbers look a little bit better. He found the end. Washington is a four-and-a-half-point home dog. We went over this last week, Coop. I, I said on this show, I thought you could bet the Jets outright 
in that game, and they were getting the seven points. They go ahead and they beat Green Bay. I don't think Green Bay is better than most. I don't think they're very good. I just don't think no. they're very good. Now they have to go on the road, losing back-to-back games here. Washington obviously has not been very good. So but do they cover four and a half? I don't know. Heineke is not an awful quarterback, right? He's a game manager. Like they, they could keep this within a field goal. Yeah, I don't see why not. Yeah, this is one they could cover for sure. And like you look at the over-under, it's only like 40 points. Those ones I feel are a lot easier to keep close when Vegas is just predicting it to be a kind of muddled, low-scoring game. Kind of in, interesting comments from Aaron Rodgers coming out and saying that he said that they need to simplify the offense. And Matt LaFleur, the reporters repeated the quote back to him. Matt LaFleur said, I don't know what that means. So seems like there's a disconnect and you it's never good when the coaches and players are talking to each other through the media. That yeah, doesn't fly yeah. with, yeah, like Bill Belichick, you, you try and talk to Bill Belichick through the media and you're going to be talking to him through the media on the other side of the country, the Browns or the Cardinals, like you know, some of those guys in the past that have been traded away, like Chandler Jones and he'll, he'll, he traded Richard Seymour away, this guy. So like there's some coaches don't take that. Some of them have to with Aaron Rodgers, I guess you got to deal with it, but I imagine they had a conversation behind closed doors to figure out what that means. So Average uh, is giving uh, player status reports after the game, too, as well. He's letting everybody know that uh, Randall Cobb's injury wasn't season-ending. He'll probably go in, like, short-term IR. Like, Aaron Rodgers is just whatever at this point. He's yeah. doing whatever he wants, really. So, yeah. Washington side, though, do you like Robinson? Do you trust any of the receivers here? I'm not going to start Taylor Heineke in any spots unless yeah. it's, like, 2QB or yeah. super flex. But I'm still sticking with my guns with Terry McLaurin and Curtis Samuel. And if you're looking for a sneaky dart throw here, if Logan Thomas is out, Cole Turner could be an interesting DFS dart throw. He looked good in this past week. He ran more routes than than the than John Bates. So he could be a little bit of a sneaky play there, Cole Turner. He looked athletic. They drafted him as a pass catcher, and uh, we had a Browns beat writer on the FYF morning show that said the same thing going to the game. So Cole Turner kind of sneaky, but probably not made for your real league. Where I draw the line and have some questions, John, is Curtis Samuel. Because we know what he's been so far, and it's a lot of targets, not a lot of yards. How are you feeling about Curtis Samuel in this? Yeah, listen, again, I'm fine with the targets in PPR. And again, Taylor Heineke, I think, is going to be sort of one of those low ADOT passers that you talk about, right? Like, yeah. he's around the line of scrimmage. I think they, I was very intrigued to see how they use Antonio Gibson last week as well. Like, they kind of used Gibson in the McKissick role almost, where you didn't see a lot of J.D. McKissick last week. You saw Antonio Gibson, you saw Brian Robinson. Maybe they ident- maybe they find their offense is a little less predictable if they have if they have Antonio Gibson out there as their sort of pass catching option of a running back where they know he can run the football. He also has really good hands. He's a wide receiver before that, so that's a situation to continue to monitor as well with Gibson with Heineke especially. Again, last season we thought them throw to the running back because he got 100 targets last year, right? So, right, so I think that the running back checkdowns, the tight ends, and Samuel for sure could be player. If Antonio Gibson, sorry, if Jaden McKissick loses his job to Antonio Gibson here, he's probably going to be pretty salty that he didn't take that offer from the Bills. Pro- well, look what Devin Singletary is doing right now. He, where would have those targets been going, right? I guess, so, yeah, I guess that's true. I guess maybe you're stuck between a rock and a hard play. Who can't crack that lineup right now, so. You convinced the guy to come back and give his job away. Unbelievable, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. Next matchup here, Colts versus Tennessee. Tennessee's coming off of a bye. Indy may or may not get Jonathan Taylor back. I think they're going to have him back. He was close to playing last week. They ended up him out after some limited practice sessions we got to obviously monitor their practice reports here but i do think that we're going to see taylor back in this matchup derrick henry ran all over indy in this first matchup between the two teams here how are you looking at this one derrick henry's he's amazing he's a must start automatically with these teams 
because of the way they operate, it's pretty easy to separate the guys you're starting from the ones you're not. But you're starting Derrick Henry, and if you must, Robert Woods. But I'm not starting Nick Westbrook-Akine. And these Titans, because of how they use Jeff Swaim, these the Titans are basically right now, they have to switch up what they're doing with the tight end because they're giving away what they're doing. Jeff's, when Jeff Swaim is in the game, you know he's not running a route. He played 42 snaps of 64, and he only ran eight routes. He blocked on 30, 30 of the plays he was in were run plays, 30 of 42. And then on four of the other ones, he stayed in to block. It's like, you don't even have to account for this player. And it's just making things easy for defenses. They need to get Austin Hooper involved. They got to switch it up because you can't just, you can't, you're making it too easy on defenses. Isn't it wild how teams do have those tells? We've talked about it, obviously, on this podcast before, the Sony Michelle New England Patriots thing. When Sony Michelle was in the ballgame, they ran the football like 80% of the time. They just did not throw the ball to Sony Michelle. Another Patriots stat came out over the weekend as well. When Bailey Zappi was under center, they ran the ball like 85% of the time. When he was in shotgun, they threw. So defenses were like, oh, Zappi's under center. They just crowd the line, and Ramondre Stevenson was having a tough time there until he broke through. So that also eventually will make the play action more effective whenever they can figure it out. But the one knock on Bailey Zappi was that his whole college career, he played out of the shotgun. shotgun he was an under center right. guy. Yep. And that's the thing is that if you and me are sitting here and we see these patterns, you better believe the Indianapolis Colts are seeing that pattern. So they got to do that. You gotta, they need to do something about that. You can't have non-players on the field like that. Like non, you can't have guys lining up in eligible positions, and <laughs> not running routes. Right. So they got to do something. They got to get those other guys going, whether it's Chiga Konkwu, the rookie, or it's Austin. They can't just have this guy playing tackle from the tight end spot. Yeah, uh, on the other side of the ball, we were saying, okay, Alec Pierce is out playing Paris Campbell. It's about time for them to switch that up and have Pierce play the full snap share, yeah. which Paris Campbell was. So instead, what do they do? This week, they run 81 plays, and Paris Campbell plays all 81. So they I apparently are committed to Paris Campbell being the guy. Either that or this was his last chance tryout. But like right. 81 of 81 snaps, the guy almost has to be on our radar to some degree if he's going to play that much. There's yeah, only so many guys that do. I agree I with know. you. I agree with you 100%. He was a little more involved this week, right? Paris Campbell coming around a bit, but my goodness, they are committed. They proved it this week. Seven for 57 and a touchdown? I don't know, man. Might be an ad at this point. Yeah, listen, he was always running the routes, like you said. He wasn't really getting the targets, but finally the targets are coming. So really talented wide receiver. Just injuries just kind of ruined his career. Maybe he's finally getting in into that groove official endorsement from us are we in on paris campbell yeah we're in now because ten well temporarily we're in i'll give him another week tennessee's not a good secondary so i'm willing I'm stash willing, him willing to bite there stash uh, him can't start him giants versus jacksonville jacksonville giving three points here we talked about it last what are we doing at atn james robinson atn was on the com robinson was starting to come down with the game flows we're really going against jacksonville Game flow went against Jacksonville again last week, so we saw a lot more ATN. He looked good. You know, how much? how is Jacksonville a three-point home favorite against a 5-1 Giants team? I don't know, dude. Vegas, they're not buying it, right? Like, they, they're that good that maybe they, they do truly understand how small sample size and how in any given Sunday sport this is where they can look at this and say, hey, you know what? The Giants are 5-1, and one, but they're still the Giants that you think they are. Right. So. I don't know. It's interesting because we all thought the Jags were this like hot team and now they're third in the division. They only two wins, two and four. So they right. came out hot, cooled off of late, but this will be an interesting one. I don't know. Interested to see what the Jaguars do on offense. Our boy Evan Ingram got it back from the dead. 16 targets last two games. Mm. Didn't pass block on a single play last week. Can't find the end zone, but he's always been his MO, but I, I'm starting him in a lot of places. It's, there's just not enough out there, especially PPR leaks, of course. 
there's not enough out there to go away from a guy that gets 10 and six targets in back-to-back games. Yeah, no, I agree with you 100% there. It's a really good spot. I got him in a couple leagues, thanks to you. I always held on to him because that tight end position has been pretty dreadful, yeah. obviously, this season. So really getting some return on that value now that we're a little bit later into the year there. Giant side, anybody sticking out to you outside, of course, the running back? Wandale yeah, Robinson? Speaking of that, speaking of the tight end position, Daniel Bellinger finally was able to break free to a certain degree. Now, this has to come with a caveat. The issue for Bellinger has been that he was splitting time with another tight end, Tanner Hudson, right? And Tanner Hudson had actually run more routes up until this point than Bellinger on the season, played a lot more snaps at wide receiver. He was kind of being like the Anthony Ferkser kind of guy, even though he wasn't catching the ball. This week, Daniel Bellinger ran, played 60 of 64 snaps, ran 28 of 34 routes, and Hudson only played eight. Now, I looked at that, and I was like, okay, Bellinger's here. He's arrived. But after doing a little bit of a deep dive, I found out that Tanner Hudson was sick this week. <laughs> he was not feeling very good. So we need I'm, – I'm, I'm stashing Hudson in a couple – I'm sorry, stashing Bellinger in a couple places. Oh, I got to see one game where Hudson doesn't have the sniffles before we can trust Bellinger, unfortunately. I wanted it to be the big coming out breakout because 60 of 64 snaps, you're not getting that in many places. And especially with a team that doesn't have pass catchers. I'm hearing today Kenny Galladay and – Kenny Galladay and Kadarius Tony both ruled out already. And they said Kadarius Tony is not particularly close. So this team is going to be absent pass catchers for a while, it sounds like. Yeah, that's pretty crazy there. I did play Wandale last week at 1% roster ship. Pat on my own back for that one. Out of boy, yeah. Came through kind of for me there. Oh. He should be, what do you play, like 20, what do you say, 25%, 30% of the snaps, something like that? I mean, needs to be way higher. He'll go, that'll go up, though. Yeah, he's a stash still for me, but you got to add him. Yeah. But yeah, those numbers will go up. There's no way after the week. He had that they sit there and say, we have to get Marcus Johnson out here. We have to get Darius Slate out. You know what I mean? Those numbers will go up. No, I agree with you 100%. Let's go on over to the next matchup here. We have Tampa Bay Buccaneers versus the Carolina Panthers. Designated Sam Darnold to return Carolina Panthers. Uh, We'll see if they throw him immediately to the Wolves against Tampa Bay or not. Uh, Exciting. Yeah, CMC got all the volume we wanted him to get last week. That was fine for fantasy managers. Panthers are still a dog water team. Tampa Bay upset. In Pittsburgh, Tom Brady, things are falling apart over there maybe for him a little bit. He, uh, he missed the team walkthrough. He flew to like New York for Bob Kraft's wedding. Shows up on Sunday. Team doesn't look great. What are your thoughts going on there? Yeah, I don't know, man. That is not, it doesn't feel you like you he, know you a guy. And then, yeah. He's too, been too, too separated from, from the structure that he was provided in New England, perhaps. Right. The first year over, he still carried that over. And now he's kind of a shirt with no tie, Tom Brady. But uh, hopefully he turns around. Root for the guy. He's obviously a legend. So he could lose every single game this year. And you look back in the legacy of his career and it has zero effect. You know what I mean? It's like mm-hmm. throwing a, a teaspoon of water into a bonfire right now. You know what I mean? That's the kind of player this is. So, And, and plus, he's got Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Leonard Fournette. He's got weapons. He'll be fine. And this is another one of those sneaky spots. I actually already mentioned this player on the show, but Kate Otten. Cameron Brate was carted off. Almost certainly not going to play this week. So Kate Otten is a guy where if you just need one week fill-in for Dallas Goddard, he's free on the waiver wire. And last time, even... Even after Cameron Brake got hurt, he came out and had two catches for 25 in just the fourth quarter. So yeah. it seems like he's going to take over that spot. Carolina Panthers, like you said, dog water, man. Is there a worst? If I had to do power rankings right now, they would be in serious consideration for the dead last worst team in the league. <laughs> for the worst team in football, yeah. I they're, think they're they not would. good. Yeah, they're not good. DJ Moore came out and he's, they asked him about the quarterbacks. He's, it doesn't matter to me who it's going to be. He said, and he goes, whether it's Sam, Baker, PJ, or that other guy. 
And that other guy he was referring to. Jacob Eason? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Didn't even know his name. So I think DJ Moore is kind of over it. He's got like a 44% catch rate, which is just about the worst in the league right now. Yeah. He's still playing every snap, but you can't really trust anybody but CMC. Yeah, really no, that's pretty wild. The yeah. the way that everything Mass. has sort of turned out and developed there for DJ Moore this year, like five it's straight nice. years of 1,100 yards, and then ran into the quarter the wide receiver killer known as Bigger Mayfield and company. So Murder. next matchup on the board: uh, Cleveland Browns versus the Baltimore Ravens. Interesting news today: Lamar Jackson dealing with a uh, dealing with an injury. Mark Andrews didn't practice, dealing with an injury. I don't know. Obviously, if this is more like Wednesday day off we talk about this all the time the wednesday injury report a bunch of guys don't practice usually we'll see how they go thursday and friday but two big pieces on that baltimore team right there potentially dealing with something devin duvernay his value maybe starting to be on the decline because rashad bateman returned to practice for today okay dobbins last week didn't play the second half due to that knee stiffness Kenyon drake had the big day gus edwards is close to returning if not going to be returning this week thoughts on this browns cleveland game yeah, I'm not so worried about Mark Andrews or Lamar Jackson. I think that's maintenance day. J.K. Dobbins, that scares me. It scares me because it, the knee issue is was described self-described as tightness in his surgically repaired knee. That is bad news bears, especially because Kenyon Drake looked good. He looked pretty explosive. We know that he can do he can rip off big plays from time to time. So I don't know, man. Like you said, the 240-pound wrecking ball known as Gus Johnson with a five over five yard career yards per carry is about to return to if you could package up jk dobbins and get him out of there i think now is the time right like it, i they, he still has name value and you i feel like you're just dodging a bullet here getting away from that situation yep i agree with you 100 yeah. percent the one that scares me is rashad bateman like i was the situation is perfect for the guy i think he's a good player He's coming back this week. I'm nervous to see if he's actually good or not. You know what I mean? It, it could have been a, a, it could end up being a rough pick if he comes back and doesn't play well. So I, I'm nervous for him. If I can avoid starting him, I will. But I've got situations where I need that player to be good. So rooting hard for that player. On this Brown side, John, Amari Cooper, Chubb, Fremont, are you starting any? But oh, Njoku. I, I mean, say he's playing Njoku yeah, this week. You got to start Njoku. Yeah. Njoku just, I, I kind of set him aside and said, hey, I need to, he's going through a gauntlet here. We can move him right up. To the top rankings if he makes it through these two games facing derwin james and the chargers and kyle duggar and the patriots came out of each game with three catches and a couple big catches i think that's to me that's passing the test he made it through the gauntlet i moved him up into that top five range if i have njoku i'm gonna start him every week and just uh, plan for fill in on the bye week if anything right yeah, I agree with you 100% there. It's funny because Baltimore's defense this year has been leaking, right? They've been right. so bad that Indeed. everybody has been able to go yeah. up against them. What, so. There's one caveat with David Njoku that you have to watch out for. The first week of the year, Jack Conklin was out, and Njoku blocked on 20% of his pass plays, 21%, in fact. Second week, he was out as well. He blocked on over 10% of his pass plays. Then Jack Conklin came back, and he turned into the David Njoku that he's been. This past week, Jack Conklin left briefly, had his ankle taped up, but then he came back, right? Yeah. As long as Jack Conklin's in there, I trust that Njoku's not going to be used to block super heavily like that. But if Jack Conklin's ankle acts up, we have to reassess the situation. Yep, I agree. I'll agree with you on that one 100% there. Moving on to our next matchup, Atlanta Falcons versus Cincinnati. Atlanta pulling off the upset win last week. They're now 3-3. Three and three. Cincinnati also 3-3 three and three here after their matchup last week against the Saints. Since he's going back home, thoughts here? Anybody surprising sticking out to you? This is the Atlanta and Cincinnati Bengals? Yep. So the one that, probably more of a DFS play than anything, but they're kind of intrigued by Caleb Huntley. 
as of late. He got a decent number of carries there, and he looks decent there as a sneaky one-off play that no one's going to be using. Like, you can't start him in any, can't really start him in any regular redraft leagues, right. but he played just as much. He ran, had just many carries as Tyler Algier. So maybe not super exciting, but if you're trying to pay way down on a guy, that that's a play. Beyond that, I don't know, man. I'll start Kyle Pitts where I need to, and uh, and Drake London, of course, but not like you can start Alameda Zacchaeus, right? <laughs> right, no, for sure not. Again, what are your thoughts on Hayden Hurst on the other side? A little revenge game narrative for you? <laughs> I don't think, Hayden Hurst is such a nice dude. Like, I don't think he has revenge anywhere in his heart. He's, have you seen anything from this guy? He's just like a great guy, raising, raising money for mental health awareness, everything. I don't think he's even capable of going revenge game on anybody. I think he just wants to do his job. And the problem with that for me for fantasy is that realistically, he's the fifth target on the team. Technically, he has more targets than Tyler Boyd, but I think Tyler Boyd is a guy that's more talented in any given week. I would pick Tyler Boyd to get more targets. So when you have Chase, Boyd, Higgins, Joe Mixon, just not a super, super enticing upside play. But, you know, everybody else, you start them where you got them. Chase, Higgins, Mixon, get them in there. We love these highly consolidated offenses, right? makes our lives easier yeah it definitely makes our lives a little bit easier there for sure when it goes on to our next matchup here jets denver broncos 38 and a half game total kind of gross denver broncos dude denver's giving one we don't really know the full status on russell wilson we got reports today that nathaniel hackett had a heart-to-heart with melvin gordon gordon's now going to start this week i don't really know what that means or for how much longer that's it's going to stand that way but again I will once again take the Jets' money line. I think the Jets are for real. I don't know why anybody would put Denver as a favorite here. The thing is, if they had Zach Wilson the whole year, this team might be even better. And you look at, take Zach Wilson off the depth chart and just don't consider the quarterback. This team is great. Like, this is across the board. They did an amazing job with the offensive line, Elijah Vera Tucker, even missing, they're missing Mekhi Becton, but, like, they went out, got Dwayne Brown, Lakin Tomlinson's good, the wide receivers are good, Brees Hall looks awesome. Right, Brees yep. Hall is a guy that you, if you have Brees Hall on your in on your team, you have to find a way to get him in your lineup right now. Right, yep. the way he's playing, and then they went out and spent their entire draft on the defense, which you tell yourself as a fan that's what you want when the team has weapons, and they went out and did exactly that. Team looks good. Like I could see them beating the Broncos. Could be Broncos could be in a world of hurt here. They lose this game. Yeah, that'll be something that I think is worth watching. I saw. What are your thoughts on Dolchich? Yeah, man. So I'm the one that pours cold water on these guys, right? That's kind of my MO is to to come out and say, yeah, Jelani Woods scored two touchdowns, but he only ran six rounds. I'm buying on this one, man. I'm in. He came out, he ran, he played 41 snaps. He ran 29 routes, which in his first game, 29 of 36 routes. That's over 80% of the routes, baby. And he didn't pass block one time. He lined up at wide receiver for 66% of his snaps. So two thirds of the snaps, he's lining up at a wide receiver spot. As far as the debut goes for a rookie tight end, that's about as good as it's gonna look. So I'm in, the only thing holding him back is obviously that like Jerry Judy and Cortland Sutton are probably the top two targets on the team, but Jerry Judy's look bad. I talked about the 44% catch rate or whatever it is for DJ Moore. Jerry Judy is I think second to last. 45 percent like he's right there with dj Moore in terms of inefficiency so it's not crazy for greg dolchich to kind of be the alan nathaniel hackett's alan lazard and if you think alan lazard's not exciting just imagine being able to start alan lazard at tight end it would be a little more exciting right (laughs) okay so so here's the thing i understand the alan lazard slander here for a moment but i want i need to shout out howard bender 
because he took a ton of flack for his Alan Lazard, Mike Williams comparison by the listeners, by Jim Bowden, by Kev Tompkins here at Fantasy Alarm. I think there was even a lot more people that side-eyed Howard Bender when he mentioned the Alan Lazard, Mike Williams comparison. Whether it is PPR or half PPR, Alan Lazard is averaging more fantasy points per game right now than Mike Williams. That's right. That's right. And hey, you know what? You can throw another name right in that group too, Adam Thielen, right? If this dude's going to catch a touchdown every game, there's nothing you can say to Howard Pender about it. You know what I mean? There's If this guy's going to get in the last three games, eight targets, eight targets, nine targets. If he's going to, he has four targets and four touchdowns in five games. If you're, there's literally nothing you can say about that player at this point. So I'm in on Lazard. Howard's right. And Kevin Tompkins being a Packers fan himself, He's going to have a lot of crow to eat if Lazard doesn't cool off soon. Yeah, not a commentary on Kev Tompkins in general, but there are a oh, lot There are a lot of fantasy analysts that I see across the Twitter sphere. And, and could, I don't really get into the mud. I don't go back and forth and argue with people. But there's a lot of I people do. who won't change their opinions on players when the circumstances change on the player, right? That's- a lot of people will be like, hey, DJ Moore, four straight years at 1,100 yards. Why can't he do it again? Well, because Baker Mayfield's a horrible quarterback. And in the second half of last year, DJ Moore is a terrible wide receiver. Why? Because he got all of his production was on that four-game hot start that Sam Darnold had. It was terrible after the fact. You and I battled back and forth on Kyle Pitts. Like, look at Kyle Pitts. He's going to get this big, huge target share. He's going to do this. He's going to do that. I'm like, yeah, but that was with Matt Ryan throwing the football 35 times a game. Marcus Mariota is not going to be that guy. There's a lot of questions. A lot of It feels like there's a lot of people that will take a player. They'll take a preconceived notion of this player. And then they won't really change that, even though the circumstances around that player change, like the Alan Lazard scenario, where it's like, Devontae Adams isn't there anymore. They only have a bunch of rookies. Like, he's going to get the targets, and he is getting the targets, and he's being productive with those targets. I'll tell you what that is, John, and that's people not doing the research. That's people not doing the homework. Because you see my tight end rankings, how they change, they'll change drastically. And I'll stick with guys if the numbers are behind them, but I will move them like... I. Kyle Pitts is out of the top five. He's out of that group. And I moved Tyler Higby up there, even though I'm not a big, historically, I've never been a big Tyler Higby fan. But if the guy's playing 95% of the snaps and running 92% of the routes, who am I to say that that's, that doesn't matter, right? So I'm with you on that. We have to, this is all science to me. Like we have the hypotheses coming in in the offseason, and then the science begins, and we have to go with the numbers. So People that cling, if you see people clinging to takes like that, that's, it's almost certainly because they're not following along. They're not looking at the behind the scenes numbers. They're not doing the research and making their adjustments. Now, if they can come out and defend the player with numbers, if they want to come out and say, Cortland Sutton played 58 of 58 snaps and I'm sticking with them, 100%, please back it up, but back it up. And then I'll, and then I'll listen to you. If you're just going to blindly stick behind a take that you had this offseason, Get out of my face. Unfollow. I agree with you 100% there. Next matchup that we got going on here, we have the Houston Texans versus the Las Vegas Raiders here. Both of these teams coming off buys. Josh Jacobs, man. Everybody who was poo-pooing Josh Jacobs earlier in the year, Coop. You and I talked about it. I like Josh Jacobs where he's going because we talked about the touchdown potential for a bell cow back in in a Josh McDaniels offense. But the recent development of Josh Jacobs catching the football, that is all of a sudden just skyrocketed his value into the stratosphere. You can, you, for me, this is one where I 100% changed my stance within the first three or four games. I was the one saying, this is an offense is going to be a split backfield. As soon as the numbers, the first couple games came out, it was like, wait a second, no, it's not. Josh McDonald's is not doing what he did before. 
This guy's playing every snap. He's catching, getting five targets a game, catching five passes a game. Josh McDaniels, to me, people have, and I had Josh Jacobs at like outside running back 20. Now I have him, if not at the top five, right there, because you just don't get usage like this in this league. His usage, it looks like Najee Harris's usage last year. If people haven't caught on yet, that this is your last chance to go out and draft and trade for Josh Jacobs as if he's a top five back, because I don't see how some people can continue to rank like Aaron Jones ahead of him and these guys ahead of him that just aren't they getting just, the usage yeah. that he is. And the guy's ripping off 160 yards from scrimmage every game, like last two games in a row, 140 or 150 on the ground alone, and then he's catching the balls. You're right. Like this is a prime example of where you'd go around and look at people's rankings. And if they haven't moved Josh Jacobs up, you're just simply not paying attention. A hundred percent. And that's the other thing, right? It's there's so many people like you're mentioning that get take committed to where they won't adjust their rankings or they'll be like, sure, he's done this, but this is what's coming up next. And it's like, well, based on what information? Oh, D- again, DJ Moore's being targeted 28% of his routes runs. Oh, okay. What does that mean? Yes, what does that, what does that have to do with anything, right? Not catching football. So a lot of these people, and you and I talk about this a lot too, and analytics sometimes get in the way of actual analysis, right? It happens on the football field. NFL coaches, they get stuck into the computer statistics and they make a play that doesn't necessarily make sense. They'll go for it all the time or they'll throw instead of pass in certain situations when the more obvious play would be one way or the other. Because, well, the analytics are saying that this should happen. It's like, well, at some point you have to watch the football game and see exactly what's going on the field, right? And it doesn't matter how many target shares or routes run or if the team sucks, right? What does it matter? So Exactly. I'm a huge analytics and stat nerd. Everyone knows that. But I recognize that real football is going to take precedent. We could sit here and talk about target share and yards per route run until the cows come home. When you sit down on Sunday, the game is about two things. It's about first and it's about touchdowns, right? right? Like it, it's the craziest thing. We, we look at the spreadsheets and stuff all week. There's no spreadsheets on Sunday. There's a teams either getting the first down or they're not getting it, right? So then that's where the Jacoby Myers is sneak through the cracks of the analytics. That's where some of these guys come out and put up these numbers, Cooper Cup, because on third down, that's the guy that's getting the ball. So these yeah. are the things that sometimes you got to think about versus DJ Moore, target share and yards per route run, right, whatever you want right. to throw in there. It's like the when first down comes around, when third down comes around, it's not DJ Moore making a play. No, so it's not. That's where you got to go. Uh, so yes, yeah, Las Vegas, Jacobs is great. Adams, obviously good to obviously. go there. But Waller's a little bit banged up. He's questionable that I've seen. Hunter Renfro came back. Not really okay, but nothing special there. I think it's just those two guys. I think it's Adams and Jacobs. Yeah, I think it is. Well, Darren Waller, he's had the usage. He's lining up at wide receiver, but you, I, you can't start him. If he doesn't practice on Wednesday, if he doesn't practice tomorrow, Thursday, you got to make other plans. He hasn't practiced. He, they went through the bye week. He's not practicing on Wednesday. Massive red flag. So you better have other plans right now. Yeah, I agree with you. Flip side, Damian Pierce still rocking it, but I don't really like much else on that, that Texans team. No, not even Brandon Cooks. Yeah, the Cooks. target's there for Brandon Cooks, but like Mills has regressed. So. Brandon Cooks, is your, as your wide receiver, he's like a guy you start at the flex if everyone else is on by. That's yeah. what he has to be. Yep, I agree I agree with you there as well. Uh, next matchup here, uh, Kansas City versus San Francisco. San Francisco let me down big time last week. Uh, getting three at home, it's a 40 and a half game. I had a lot of Jeff Wilson last week thinking that they were going to just be ahead of Atlanta. And they lost outright, big time, to Atlanta Falcons. So That's now they're home good, against Kansas City here. We still kind of know where this offense goes, but I think this gives a little bit more upside this week to Jimmy G. Brandon Ayuk's had back-to-back really good games. So finally a big game from George Kittle last week. Debo Samuel does his thing. Thoughts on this matchup between San Francisco and Kansas City? Yeah, this San Francisco offense is the consolidation that I love best. Presented to you all 
by Kyle Juszczyk. Love that. Love that Kyle Juszczyk because he goes out there, doesn't really soak up a lot of targets, doesn't really soak up a lot of carries. But what he does is he takes the third wide receiver off the field. So you have five linemen, you have George Kittle, you have two wide receivers, and then you have a running back, and then you have Juszczyk. So you don't have to worry about a random Juwan Jennings or Ray McLeod game the way you do with Tyler Boyd game. Those guys are hardly even playing. So that's how you get a game like last week where there's Debo, there's Ayuk, there's George Kittle. They each get 10 targets. I know they lost the game double digits, but in fantasy world, I was pretty happy with the game. Yeah, for sure there. Are. So that's where fantasy and real football are the opposite. It doesn't really matter exactly. if your guy loses as long as he's getting the points. I can um, care less if the 49ers lose. I'll tell in you the city right side now. of things, Miko Hardman had a pretty good game last week. He's starting to get targeted a little bit more. Is there anything there for So it's killing me with him, the snap share, because they're kind of rotating with Sky Moore. I would... There's two guys, Juju and MVS, that play every snap, and then Hardman rotates with Sky Moore. It's nice to see him run 26 routes. Sounds okay until you realize they had 53 dropbacks. So, I, you know what? DFS start throw if you want to do it, but I can't trust those guys. There's 32 teams, and most teams have at least two wide receivers playing at least a full snap share, So, which is makes for 60-something wide receivers. I just can't be dipping into the Miko Hardman pool when you have that many more viable guys sure if you're in seasonal and you need a bye week though getting some exposure to that kansas city offense can sometimes be what helps you get through the bye week blues yes next matchup here one of my favorites of the day for dfs purposes but obviously there's gonna be some seasonal value the chargers versus the seahawks chargers are at home giving six and a half it's a 51 and a half game total some expectation that Keenan Allen returns to this game this week for the Chargers. Seattle finally had a letdown performance last week against Arizona. Geno Smith didn't look great. Lockett Metcalf down. But Kenneth Walker stepped up in a big way and had a big game. And I've said it all along. You can run on this Chargers defense. I'm expecting big things out of Kenneth Walker. Noah Fant had another really decent game. I'm not sure what your thoughts on the tight end spot there for Seattle. Yeah, Noah Fant, he's, what sucks is he's still splitting with Will Disley, but Will Disley only ran, they both 44 snaps for Disley, 43 for Fant. Disley ran 18 routes, Fant ran 25. So I have Fant ahead of Disley, but just the fact that they mixed Disley in is what annoys me. It's just like that, the Hendra shot and Jake Ferguson situation where if one dude was running 40, they had 41 pass plays. If they had one dude running 36, 37 routes out of 41, that guy would be locked in. But when they have one guy running 18, the other running 25, it's too messy for me. What's his targeted route share? What's the, Do you have that number in front of you by chance? For a fan? Yeah. I, his, like, I, I don't have the number. At least I can get it for you. I got it here. So he's got a 21.7% targets per route run. So. Which is good. That's a good number. But right. so that, if anything happens to Will Disley, Noah Fant would kind of sneak up that, that, uh, that that ranking poll because yeah. it's that now you're getting into a situation where it's Metcalf, Lockett, and Fant, just like it's Uke, Debo, and Kittle. Lockett's been a little banged up, and Lockett's done this before. He's one of the toughest guys in the league. I've seen this guy go to the hospital and then play the very yeah, next week, right? right? And he, so, but he'll come out there and do this, and he'll play hurt and give you nothing. So you have to be careful with this guy, right? He's a he's willing to be the decoy. He's willing to pretend he's not hurt, but like yep. when you look at the box score, it's pretty clear that Tyler Lockett's not okay, right? Yeah. I agree with you 100% on that Which one. sucks because he was doing so good. Any other thoughts on the Chargers side? Obviously, Eckler continues to. There was a stat that someone said for the first three weeks, Austin Eckler was like RB like 30, and now the last three weeks, he's RB1. Yeah, he's, yeah, he's Keenan Allen. Is he he's returns to practice or what's going on? I believe or, they said he's expected to be available this week. But no, well, and there's wow. another, here's another one hour ago. Keenan Allen hints at delaying injury return oh, with Chargers bye week. He said, when's their bye week? 
I think he's, yeah, I think he's hinting that he might wait for the bye week, and the bye week is week eight, so okay. next week. Well, it makes sense then, right? Why not? Why Keenan not... Allen's sending you the message there that he might not play this week. Oh, so that's great for all my Austin Eckler, Mike Williams shares then, because I have it a is good. I have yeah. a yeah. No Keenan, the rules are no Keenan Allen. We play Gerald Everett. Yep. That's just kind of the rule. 100% there. Next matchup here is again a short week with all the buys. We have Sunday Night Football Pittsburgh Steelers versus the Miami Dolphins. We're expecting Tua to return this week. They announced his return last week. Jalen Waddell apparently is dealing with a little bit of a shoulder injury. We'll see how serious that ends up being throughout the course of the week. Again, it's Wednesday. The guys don't practice. They have to get an injury label for a reason. Most of it's still leading the carries for Miami in this one. Tyree Kill had a monster week. Mike Gesicki. Two touchdowns last week, Coop. And Pittsburgh had that upset win over Tampa Bay. We don't know Kenny Pickett's status yet. And Tomlin said he's not ready to name a quarterback. It depends on how Pickett moves through concussion protocol. Yeah. Since we just talked about the Seahawks and we're on another team that with a very similar player, I wanted to say one quick thing on assessing your league for next year and how you handle waivers. Look around at your leagues. If guys like Raheem Mostert, Kenneth Walker, and the usually the litmus test for me is Alexander Madison. If those players were all drafted in your league, then in the early go, I'm not holding on to Fab and I'm not holding on to the first round pick waiting for the big player to come up. Because if the leagues are deep enough that those players weren't on waivers, then there's no reason to hold on to 100 Fab or to hold on to that first overall waiver claim because there's probably not going to be a point where this like big league winning guy is out there. So mm-hmm. for next year, keep an eye, look around your leagues and see if, if, if you're sitting there with a hundred bucks and you haven't spent it yet, next year, you should be spending a little more freely early on. On the flip side, if all those guys were available and being added when these injuries happen, then those are the leagues where I do hold on to the money and try and catch the big one. You know what I mean? Right. The big handcuff, but it's a good test to see where he mostered. Did you have a shot at him? Did you have a shot at Kenneth Walker? If you didn't, then just spend that fab like crazy because your league's deeper than most. None of people, all these analysts are trying to tell you it, 10 to 15% of your fab on this guy. Well, every, not every league's the same. So you got to know your league and know when you need to dig in or not. And that's a good litmus list, list test this year. Go back and look and see, did, did people draft these guys or not? Because Reem Mostert's awesome. Kenneth Walker's awesome. But in a lot of leagues, you didn't have a shot to get those guys. Right. Yeah, I agree with you. Now, uh, you're starting Jalen Waddle, starting Tyreek Hill. I'm starting two in a ton of leagues. I added him before he got hurt. I remember how good he was. I'm not starting. I'm done starting Kirk Cousins and all these other guys. <laughs> like Tyreek Hill's leading the league in yards, even without even without Tua playing with Bridgewater, playing with Skylar Thompson. Like this is a good football team, and Tua looked really good. And if he comes back, says he's good to go, he's good to go. Yep, I agree with you there, a hundred percent. And we'll finish it off Monday Night Football, New England Patriots, Chicago Bears. Oh, look out! Big matchup. Yeah, a lot <laughs> of excitement probably, going on here. A lot of excitement. The Patriots, of course, a black hole for fantasy football. Nothing better than a team that is just really good at special teams and then okay, and then pretty good on defense and okay on offense. And then the Bears, of course, being just a 1940s offense. Right. Yeah. But, hey, I got the zappy fever. I'm excited to see him. It's hard to say if Mac Mac Jones probably would have won these games too. That's my feeling. But, hey, if they're rolling. Now, in terms of fantasy football, on this Patriots side, Hunter Henry with Bailey Zappi, brand new life. The last two weeks with Zappi at quarterback, he has played every snap but three, over two games now. In the week before, he only missed one. Last week, he played 68. So that's a guy with that kind of usage, and the quarterback likes him. You got to find a way to get him in. If you can't, if you're set, throw him in a DFS lineup or something. And then, of course, we're starting Jacoby Myers in PPR situations. John Devontae Parker, Taekwon Thornton, maybe? Taekwon Thornton, think? for sure, I think. Yeah, he's fun. He's, he's fast. He's fast. 
Yeah, I like that they're willing to use him in end arounds. He takes some deep shots. He was he actually open. Real fast on that end around. So he had that touchdown catch, but then if you watch, I think it's Evan Lazard does sometimes he's like these breakdowns at, after the Patriots games that you can follow along on Twitter. And there was another play where Tyquan Thornton made a move on a bronze cornerback and was wide open, but the pass rush moved Zappi to his left, and Zappi sort of had a th- away from where that side of the field was and ended up being an incomplete pass. But if the offensive line held up, if Miles Garrett wasn't just like crashing down on him and forcing him to sort of step up and move to his left, Tyquan Thornton was wide open mm-hmm. for what would have been a downfield touchdown. He literally did this little juke on him and immediately threw the hand up like, I'm, I have a touchdown, but the rush moved Zappi up to the opposite side of the field. So Tyquan Thornton, listen, he was making a lot of plays during a preseason, which is what everybody was talking about. They, loved, they thought he had a really good chance to be something. Breaks his collarbone in preseason, goes on IR. Since he's come back, though, he's looked good. He's looked great, man. And that's the thing, you know, in fantasy football, we have these preconceived notions, right? Like in our mind, Bill Belichick can't draft wide receivers and he always overdrafts guys, but... What if this guy is a legit second member? Like any, if this guy was drafted in the second round of the Kansas City Chiefs, we'd be tripping all over ourselves <laughs> to be grabbing him. You know what I mean? But because he's a second round pick for the New England Patriots, we don't like him. No, I like him, man. He looks great. We saw it this weekend. And that's on a 40. He got 40 snaps for a first game out. That's pretty good. That's only going to go. So I'm in on that. On the Bears side, it's David Montgomery, and then it's Darnell Mooney if your back is against the ropes and you have a giant gash over your eye. And I don't even know else. what you could possibly like about the Bears' offense in this matchup. The Patriots' defense has been so good. Who is doing anything against it? This could be another shutout, honestly. This could be a shutout for the New England defense this week. I tell you, it's like Jack Jones, man. This kid, awesome. Right? Unbelievable. Fourth he might round be the number one. Is he the number one rated cornerback on PFF? I think. That was like going into last week. He was up there. Him and John yeah. Jones, Jonathan Jones, were right there. Let me check him out. See if he's there. And they this week they just he's been crushing guys. And the Browns just said, "Hey, we're going to throw it to Amari Cooper anyway." Yeah, he's the number one graded cornerback still. Jonathan Jones is number seven. Yeah. And then Kyle Duggar's been kind of a nightmare for tight ends. So don't expect it to get any easier for Cole Komet. Yeah, so, somebody on the again listen to local radio around here likened Kyle Duggar to Patrick Chung, a guy that nightmare for tight ends. Nightmare for running backs. He plays hard. He plays physical. And he's got that side. Yeah. You see, my dad's been a believer. He rocks the Lenore Ryan shirt. Right. He's got. A, he's also got a. The, you saw this weekend at my wedding. The UT Chattanooga shirt for uh, Cole Strange. He's my dad's a. Uh, he's a homer to the core, to the deepest level. But we love that. So yeah, it's just it's just a bad matchup for everything that the Bears want to do. If you come into New England with two focal points of your offense, you're walking into the to face the guy that lo- his number one thing he loves to do is take away what you like to do best. Right. You got to come in with more options than two. And this team has a basically one and a half. So it's going to be a, it's going to be a, a short game. I think on Monday night football, there's going to be a lot of, this is going to be one of those ones where it's the most entertaining part of it is uh, seeing the memes on Twitter about how bad a game it is. Yeah, exactly. I agree with you hundred percent there. And the zappy fever, should he start Mac Jones may also be a guy that could start this week. Well, and Belichick won't let us know that until he absolutely has to, which will be like two hours before the game. So I'll tell you, if I'm Mac Jones, I'm fighting trainers to get out in the field before the Zappy wildfire burns everything I know. Yeah, Zappy starts this week and goes for another 300 with an over 100 quarterback rating. Good luck, Mac, to get yeah, your job. Right, back. and then you come back, Matt. Then Mac comes back just in time to face like the Vikings and the Bills. <laughs> yeah. You got to fight to get into some of these games, these cakewalk games, and remind everybody that you're you're QB one because they can get out of hand quick. We've seen that before in New England. 
Yep, 100% there. So that wraps it up. That's our look at week seven's fantasy football slate. If you have any questions, get us on Twitter. You get us in the Discord. You can always follow Coop's content on Reddit, on the website as well. Any final thoughts here, Coop? That's it, man. I'm excited, man. This is going to be, this slate is sneaky a decent slate. You look at some of these games, especially the four o'clock games, Chiefs, 49ers, Seahawks, Chargers. There's going to be some real good games this week. Yeah. I'm excited for this. I agree with you for that. All right, guys. We'll catch you later.